We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks upcoming matchup against the Cleveland Cavaliers. A bit of a different twist on the episode you're about to hear. It is not hosted by me. Um, I went on the Chase Down podcast, which is the official Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. It was on their YouTube channel. If you want to go check it out there. And I... I completed a home and home because Justin Rowan of the Chase Down came on our show back in, I want to say that was back in January when the Knicks played the Cavaliers last. Um, But I went on with them for this episode. There's a good chance there's going to be many other crossovers with them and the Cavaliers uh, people that exist out there, the uh, the media people out there. So um, as we begin to start to look toward the playoffs, not too far ahead because business needs to still be taken care of um yeah this is this is the first of many potential matchups between the knicks and the cavaliers of course uh, for those of you who might not have heard i'm shocked if you haven't but uh the knicks are going to be looking a little different at least for the remainder of the regular season julius randall and his uh injured ankle he will be reevaluated in two weeks I think the language on this is very specific that it's not he will return in two weeks. It's he will be reevaluated in two weeks. That sets us up for the 14th of April, which is two days before the playoffs are supposed to start. And then the ramp back up for a big guy like that on an ankle. I just have no idea what to expect, whether it's back for game two, back for game five, uh, gone for the whole series, back for game one, you know, so. I approach this conversation with Justin and with Carter as if there's going to be no Julius Randle in this series because um, that's just that that's the perspective I have right now. Hopefully I'm wrong that this isn't a, a three or six week injury and that he's not gone for the season. And look, another element is that I'm curious to see what this team does. They've faced adversity all season and every time they have, they have shown us something. So now with this new uh, adversity that they have to face. I am confident that they'll at least show us something again. So with that being said, here is my appearance on the Chase Down podcast with Justin Rowan and Carter Rodriguez, the official Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Enjoy. 
The Cleveland Cavaliers winning streak is over and I'm still not over it. It's been two days and I I want to know what anyone is supposed to do defending the three point line. I, I would argue that the last two Cavs losses, which both came with questionable reviews that every third party person felt that the Cavs got the raw end of that deal. Uh, I, I would say that neither of those losses count in my personal record book, but they count in the real record book, which is all that matters at the end of the day. Joining me today to move on from that game to, to just completely sidestep it is my co-host carter rodriguez carter how you doing buddy i think it's unbelievable that you get to open the podcast complaining and then tell and then tell the world but to here to be healthy is carter <laughs> I, I got gripes too brother uh go but off, you know go what off, king but no it's fine it's fine we we've got a, a lovely guest here we we've got more important things uh, to worry about like a guaranteed playoff spot unlike uh some franchises and um <laughs> Uh, an honest basketball, unlike some franchises, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about that. We are going to discuss some honest basketball and a little bit of bad news as well, uh, unfortunately. But I am very thrilled to welcome to the podcast Andrew Claudio from the Knicks Film School. You guys do, honestly, you guys do a terrific job. I listen to your pregame podcast for matchups that don't even involve the Cavs because I think mm. you do such a great job of highlighting other teams. And I, I, I think... For a fan base that has a reputation of being very obnoxious, I, I think you do a like terrific job. I think it's one of the better uh, kind of local uh, podcasts. And of course, part of the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to Blue Wire. Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Guys, thank you so much for having me. I will do my very best not to completely destroy the obnoxious New Yorker stereotype throughout this conversation while also... I can appreciate Atlanta slander if you want to keep going with that as someone who has had their battles with Atlanta in the past. Um, so uh, wherever you want to take this conversation, I'm all for it. You know, let's 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 actually just for the health of my myself and for Carter, just so mm -hmm. that we can complain a little bit. I, I do think that we need to relook at kind of the landing space files because DeJounte Murray jumped six feet forward for Evan Mobley, who was jumping straight up and down to collide with him. And I, I'm actually at the point now and that I'm a smooth criminal, by the way, just a, <laughs> just a, just a, a, a 45 degree landing angle somehow. I, I, I just think that we're now at the point that I don't even want to hear complaints about poor con, uh, contests for three point shots, because the only way you can contest three point shots in today's NBA is by jumping to the side and kind of getting your hand up in their face, right? Like you can't go straight up in front of them because if a jump uh, shooter decides that they're going to leap forward and extend their legs, most of the time they're getting that call or they're getting three free throws or they're getting a flagrant assess to them as we saw uh, with the Cavs loss in Utah and three free throws or a four point or seven point possession uh, as the result of a call like that. I would rather give up a wide open shot and it's just so frustrating. I, I don't think there needs to be massive reforms with how the game is officiated, but I would like to see a crackdown on that. And I'd like to see a crackdown on moving screens because when we saw like the warriors do their moving screens, it wasn't that they were the only team that were, was doing it. It was the, were the only team that had the shooting talent to really make it painful. And now the shooting talent around the league is so ridiculous that all these moving screens on the perimeter, I, I think, are just a little unfair. And we got to give defenders a chance. So give Evan Mobley a chance. Give him a defensive player of the year. Let's stop with all these ridiculous landing space fouls. 
Yeah, it's just, you know, bro, it's just so hard. You know, like I just the second the I the second JB challenge, I said that's a good challenge and we're gonna lose. <laughs> like, Duncan said it was a good challenge and, and he doesn't compliment yeah. the Cavs ever. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where like, and, and you know, you're already at a fever pitch when you play against a team that uh, like the Hawks, um, because of the way Trey plays, um, you know, Andrew, I'm sure you can sympathize with that. How, how, how many non-basketball plays, uh, get rewarded. Um, and then, and I do think by the way, there is a bit of a spillover when you have a lead star that plays that way, where, they're get they're drawing fouls on such marginal contact that when you do give Anyeka Ankangu a little bump, all of a sudden they're like, "Well, he we called one earlier. We got to call one here." Um, uh, and like you know, I just think it really gets in the refs' heads. Um, and they have a really, really you know, like again, I, I every time I, we get on here to complain about officiating, I end up I end up going back to the humanity of these people and, and being like, man, it's got to be so hard. You Not only are you trying to uh, nail the the uh, the action, you also have to avoid getting tricked. That's like, that's just a, a bridge too far. So I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's tough. It's frustrating. Uh, and the fact that, you know, I think the Cavs have gotten um, a pretty raw deal two two losses in a row uh, on review. That's the, again, on review. Yeah, both uh, got reviewed. It, it is like, man, that's just not what you want to see. So I'm back and forth on this because this is the first year that the Knicks have had the type of uh, creators and initiators in Jalen Brunson, in Julius Randle. And honestly, lately with Emmanuel quickly, where you can take advantage of some of the foul baiting, like the side to side swipe is a move that Julius Randle has u- had used all season. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Um, the Jalen Brunson ability to draw contact on drives um, has led to his free throw shooting this year. So the Knicks, I can't I can't be hypocritical and be like, Knicks haven't benefited from this. But to your point, that series two years ago when the Knicks played the Hawks, like Trey was doing the Chris Paul stop in the middle of the of the paint. Like it was you get by your defender and then you stop to catch your defender and then pretend like they ran into you. And then there were some shots where like the only thing I could equate it to is that he was personally headbutting his defender in the face from behind and he was getting the calls. So like <laughs> that stuff annoys me. I think like the moving screens, I mean, yes, a team like um, Golden State is a team that takes advantage of it. But like the teams that don't like because they're not even good at shooting. Miami might be the worst. Like, mm. I don't know if Bam Adebayo's ever planted his feet on a screen yet. He gets rewarded like he's Kevin Garnett. So Look, this this we're not the only three having this conversation as the league has made it seem over the past um past couple week couple weeks or so and that the officiating this year has been not the not the best, not the greatest and look, I don't know if there is an an uphaul that you could do, like a big move that you could make or big change that you could make to the officiating. It's just flatly become much more difficult to play defense and it's why I think it's contributed to one of the best offensive seasons we've ever seen in the sports history. Yeah. And to me, what drove me nuts with, with yesterday's game, and obviously I don't expect you to have seen the game, but like, Oh, the- Oh, Justin Cavs live money line. I was right there with you. I was oh, watching okay. the game. Don't worry. <laughs> you, in a lot of ways, you were uh, more aggrieved than either of us. I, yeah. I said the same thing. That's a good challenge. We, we have a Knicks film school group chat. Cause we're, Look, we're honestly watching because there's a faint hope of the four seed. Obviously, that with Randall down, we'll see if that's even possible. There's also we wanted 
we, we want Atlanta to lose. Like there's parts of yeah. that that's involved. There's another fact we have Dallas's pick, but it's top 10 protected. So there is a world where Dallas needs to win and Atlanta needs to lose so they could fall behind them in the standing. So there's those selfish reasons as well. I was very much like, okay, that's a good challenge. And then like DeJounte pushes off on the shot that makes it a four point lead as well. So yeah, it, what drove me nuts was that in the first like quarter and a half, it was a free flowing game. They were allowing a lot of contact both ways. I was like, wow, like, I don't know if this even plays to the Cavs advantage, but I kind of like that. It's just been consistent. And then it was like, there was a shift where it's like, uh, you know what? What if for tonight, Okongwu was Joel Embiid? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Trey Young's getting the line. And then the Cavs are getting a bunch of calls. And I'm not going to act like it was one side or anything like that. It was that one specific call that drove me nuts. Uh, but yeah, it, it it was a lot. But at the end of the day, the Cavs were very shorthanded in that game. I, I was a little disappointed because the other part of me rooting for Atlanta to lose is I want Toronto to get the eighth seed. Because mm. whether the Cavs, as he said, four, four or five, I want the Cavs to play a team that just had to go through Toronto that just had the living hell beat out of them. If they do in fact advance to the second round. So I'm being selfish there, but let's move on. Let's move on from our gripes. Let's talk about a matchup that is far more interesting between two very good teams, in my opinion, which is the Cavs and the Knicks. Uh, they will be playing Friday. Uh, the Cavs have a chance to lock up the four seed with a win on Friday. Uh, injury updates for it. Uh, both Darius Garland and, and Donovan Mitchell sprained their ankles, but they both appear to be good to go. There was no mention of Garland's ankle uh, today at practice. JB said that Mitchell went through everything, got his treatment. He, he's The expectation is going to be that he's good to go. Uh, credit to Kelsey Russo uh, for those quotes. Uh, Jared Allen, uh, with his groin injury is listed as doubtful. Isaac Okoro with his knee is out. Sam Merrill, Dylan Windler, Isaiah Mobley are with the charge, but Diakite does appear to be available for the cast. And then for the Knicks, uh, a real mm. kind of heartbreaking, uh, loss for you guys, which is that Julius and, uh, Randall, uh, injured himself and will be reevaluated in two weeks, which ends his regular season. And looking at the, the calendar, uh, first round series, which at this point looks very, very likely that it's going to be Kaz and Knicks. Uh, that's probably going to start April 15th, two weeks from today when he'd be evaluated is April 13th. This is, this is a real tough blow for the Knicks. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I gotta be honest. I'm still processing it because this, this man's career in New York has been so fascinating to observe. Obviously from my perspective as a fan, I think anybody in that locker room would probably tell you the same thing. The media people that have had the access to tell you about Julius Randle's time in New York would, would absolutely tell you the roller coaster that he's been through is one that no New York athlete, and I'd argue maybe no athlete has seen in their time there. When he got to New York in 2019, he was the consolation prize to what was supposed to be like, we're getting Zion, we're getting Kevin Durant, we're Kevin, getting Kate, uh, Kyrie, we're getting Jesus. Like every single <laughs> available player was going to come play for the Knicks in the summer of 2019. And we ended up with Julius Randle and a bunch of eight or ninth men. And all of this pressure went on to him that was probably unfairly put onto him. And then you come into the pandemic shortened season. He's hitting every mid range shot, every long two. He's shooting 41% from three. And like the city is his and he makes second team all NBA and he's most improved player. Then you get last season when there's a gigantic regression to the mean and you have people cheering for his backup to, to play as often as possible in Obi Toppin. And look, we're guilty of this. The movement from 
you know, the fan base that was like, find any trade partner you can just like ham sandwich time is what a lot of the fan, fan base was like, like whatever you could trade him for. And then this season, the, the come to Jesus moment and the way he's played, the way he's accepted a new role, the way he's allowed Jalen Brunson to really initiate the offense. And as a result, that gravity allows Julius Randle to be better. The shots he's decided to take, his shot diet is so much more pleasing to the modern game and so much more sustainable than what he was two years ago with open gyms. And then this happens and it's like, for all season, he's like stepped up in some very big moments. Like, and and we were ready to see him erase the demons of the Atlanta series from two years ago. And for this to happen with five games left, he has not missed a game this season. I can't stress that that enough. Jalen Brunson has missed time. R.J. Barrett has missed time. Everyone, I think, but Emmanuel quickly has missed time this year. And Julius Randle's been an Iron Man. And for him to just land wrong on Bam Adebayo's ankle, it's it's tough. Now, the ironic part is Randall wasn't playing all that great over the past five or six games. And he was reverting to some old habits last year. And there is a movement from the fan base that, you know, now we get to see what it's like when you have um, other people that have to step up. Maybe you can go a little smaller in some lineups. It's not going to help you against a team like the Cavs, which is why I'm very worried about a potential seven game series against against the Cavs. But as far as in a vacuum, um, they're going to miss a a guy that's an all star, most likely going to make his second all NBA team. And I personally just can't help but feel bad for him. Like the guy worked his butt off this summer to to make sure that last year was the anomaly and not the two years ago season was the anomaly. And, you know, there's there's a very good chance that his seasons, his regular season's definitely over. And look, he's being reevaluated in two weeks, which falls into like the day before game one of the first round of the playoffs. Every Twitter doctor we've reached out to has been like, yeah, that's a three, four week injury. Like mm. this, this is, this is not good, especially the, the guy, his size landing on his ankle that way. So, yeah. you know, and, we're and still, you we're still processing your conditioning it, you know? up, right? Like you can't keep your conditioning no, you up if your ankle's bad. Yeah, no, you can't. It's, it's a tough blow. It's, it's, you're losing your all-star, you know? So we'll see how the Knicks adjust. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, last year, the Cavs kind of had a few players where it was like, if, if they're not available, they just, they don't have a shot, you know, like, uh, you know, when we were talking about postseason uh, chances, you know, we talked about like they lose Darius that like they, there are certain players on your team, especially, you know, at the tier that the Cavs and Knicks are in currently where like, you know, like your chances of winning a playoff series just go to functionally zero. Like, is that kind of where you're at? If Randall can't come back, like, can they, do you think they can win a series without him uh, against the Cavaliers? I recognize the, the podcast I'm on that yep. it will be blas- it'll be blasphemy if I were to say that. Um, what I'll say is they have overcome so much adversity this year. The game that Randall got hurt in against the Heat, they actually found this lineup with, with RJ Barrett at the four, with Josh Hart playing the three. Um, and you have Emmanuel quickly who, Look, the more he plays, the more I'm wondering if like maybe he's actually like a a, a star on the rise. Like he's going to mm-hmm. most likely win the 6th man of the year award and he, he looks closer to the number 3 guy than I think 
anybody oh, else on that roster. He is that that that's that ship sailed. Like the RJ Barrett conversation is a completely different conversation now. Uh, and I want to um, get to that conversation later on. To be oh clear. yeah, of course. <laughs> I just the, the Mayo quickly his ability to play defense both at point of attack and in the passing lanes. He's he's become such a weapon. And then if he's shooting well, like he, he'll go through some cold streaks. Like he had this this nationally televised double overtime game against Boston where he had his career high in points at the time was their best player in the two overtimes. And it was like the betting odds for him to become sixth man of the year shifted. He went from like plus 1200 going into the weekend to the favorite by the time the game ended Sunday night. And as much as some might cry like New York bias, I also think it was just like, Oh, now we can actually start paying attention to what Emmanuel quickly has been all year because he did it on a, on a national spots spotlight with, um, you know, against a team like Boston. I'll also add like every lineup that he is in is a positive lineup. He's just been that much of a difference. And so this now, if Tibbs is willing to go small, which is the biggest, if possible, they may have some advantages that they can create. Mm-hmm. I would pick the Cavs in that series now is what I would say. I'm not saying the Knicks can't win that series. They've overcome adversity all season. Every single time Like they were missing Jalen Brunson for that game against Boston. They won. They had this road trip where Jalen Brunson went down with a similar ankle injury. And we were all like, all right, 0-5. We're now going to be battling for the play. And they go three and two on that road trip. And it's like, you know, crisis averted as a result. Um, Every single time we've needed this team to win a game, they have, this is going to be the first real test of, can you win a game? Cause it looks like Randall's not coming back at least as far as far as for the immediate future. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to trust in that. It's a lot harder to make the case for it when you're going up against a team like, like Cleveland, which I do respect. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the interesting thing to me is the Cavs have had issues at times with with teams that go four or five out, right? Like when they're really able to space the floor. And what's concerned me about the Knicks, and I I thought that this was going to be a very, if it does occur, that it was going to be a very hard-fought series. Um, and, and I think the Knicks still have enough talent to make it a hard fought series because they do have the wings, right? They, they can play that kind of four out style. Uh, I think Josh Hart, uh, would probably be if I was doing uh, coach from the couch kind of uh, uh, analysis of the Knicks, I'd probably start Josh Hart at the four. Um, but like, I, I think, I, I think that the Cavs talent level without Randall, I I think that that would come through, but I think that there's enough things that that the Knicks can do to certainly make it interesting. Do you expect them to go that route or or do you think Obi Toppin is going to get the first look at power forward? Obi's going to get the first look. And the thing about the Knicks and specifically Thibodeau, like this is the, the Keith Bogans guy where it's really doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. So the starting lineup just, as much as you'd like to get off to a good start, he's very much the type of coach that cares about like keeping it even for the first six, seven minutes. And then my best lineup is my bench unit. Like the reason the Knicks were the four seed two years ago was partly because Julius Randle turned into Larry Bird, but also because they had this second unit led by Derrick Rose um, that was just blitzing teams. And this five man lineup that was like plus 21 for the final like 30 or so games. So I would imagine they go Obi to start um, and then he, uh, I don't know if it's unfairly or fairly, but by default is the Keith Bogans or the Alfred Payton where Josh Hart's the closer. You're here to start the first seven minutes of each 
each half and then we'll pivot to um, this other lineup. Now, look, we'll see. There's when Obi was hurt earlier in the year, Tibbs went to this um, jo- uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jericho Sims backup unit. So he went with two centers. You know, so he kept his rim protection, kept his rebounding, kept his offensive rebounding, which has been their their strength all season. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if we saw some of that in some certain lineups. Um, but yeah, I I think Obi's Obi's next man up. This is why the Knicks didn't just dump him for anything at the deadline. This is why in year three, even though he's still only getting like 12, 13 minutes a game, it was like, I believe in Obi. He's an important part of the team. And he did the the tib speak. And it's like this. This is the break glass in case of emergency situation with Obi Toppin. So, do you, uh, one thing that, you know, just looking at the Knicks stats, um, one thing that I don't think I realized until really looking at the per 36 is that you lose with Randall is he's your only volume three point shooter. Yeah. Uh, he, he takes, uh, he takes 8.4 uh, per 36 um, uh, of the row of the, like the top rotation guys quickly takes 6.8. RJ takes 5.6. Brunson only takes 4.8. I couldn't believe. Yeah, uh, they're thought, all pull-ups, too. Yeah, yeah, they're all pull-ups. Um, you know, Toppin is the other guy. He takes 8.5 for 36. I mean, uh, how worried are you about, you know, one of the things that I've felt very ang- angsty about for the Cavs in any playoff series is getting bombed off the floor from three because the Cavs don't take a lot and they don't make a lot. Um, but, like, it feels like the the Knicks probably lost a little bit of their take a lot, uh, you know, variance. Uh, how how concerned are you of, of their ability to kind of, you know, make hay uh, offensively uh, without well, that volume three point shooting? Well, that's the that's the other big thing that you lose when you lose Julius, you know, because like it's so much less about the volume that he's taking, you know, because like it is like yeah, he's taking eight threes for thirty six, and that's been the big change with him this year that he was so hesitant because he's never been a three point shooter. And then he went into this off season with assistant head coach, Johnny Bryant. Um, and it was like, just when you get it, shoot like that, just you being that weapon. And if you're just a 33, 34% shooter, the volume will be enough that they have to respect the shot. It opens lanes. And um, there will be games. Like my thought was like, yes, you could probably survive with Obi taking the same shots or you just mix it up with more ball movement and Quentin Grimes gets an uptick in shots. RJ Barrett, who hasn't been great from three, but has been mostly been just a catch and shoot guy all season. Um, you know, you could find other ways to fill it. The, the issue I have is more like there are these games where Randall will go six of eight or six of 11 from three. And that's like, there, I expected in a Cavs series that's like, oh well, game two was Julius Randle game, you know. So well, we we remember him hit, hitting eight threes against us. Yeah, we we, so we very very well remember that. <laughs> so those games this year have been like, listen, say what you want about Julius, they don't win tonight without his shot making, and his shot making is one of the reasons why, despite his flaws, despite some of his slower processing speed, um, despite some of his turnovers. The shot making makes up for it, and that that's just not going to happen if he doesn't play against the Cavs in a first round series. So they just have to find other ways to to find offense. And I think this is where, look, I may be talking him up a lot, but because I've watched every minute he's played of his career, but this is where Emmanuel quickly may actually come into play as like a big difference maker because he might become their second most important offensive player by the time a series against the Cavs is over. And 
I personally think he's up for the challenge. And so maybe, you know, maybe those are some famous last words, but uh, that's just how good he's been, especially over the last two, three months since he's taken such a, on such a bigger role as the number three guy. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Justin, I'm going to bite one of your questions uh, that you have in the chat because I feel like it or in our in our rundown. Uh, and it's about you know, the, the quickly point kind of made me think of the fact that they're probably going to be throwing Isaac Okoro on Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and Isaac did really, really well there. Um, uh, it does feel like quickly is going to have to cook whatever other guard the Cavs put on on uh, on them is like you can't have both guards even at like 75 percent and have a shot in the series. Right. Oh, not not at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where. But see, I, again, the, the Quentin Grimes factor of it all the last like four or five games, it's it's recency bias because he hasn't been this all year. He's. Averaging over 20 points a game over his last five, he stepped up. He's and, awesome. This is going to sound really stupid, to but I he, I actually got scared of the Knicks watching the Rising Stars game where he was just bombing really? threes. I was like, oh my God. Like It, I, it was like giving me the Tim Hardaway Jr. versus uh, Dion Waiters Rising Stars vibe where I'm just like, oh man, this this guy gets really hot. And yeah, like I... I uh, as, as Carter said, I'm, I'm fascinated to see kind of the, the chess match of how the guards go, because Isaac Okoro, that first game against the Knicks, 
Knicks were, were making a run and Okoro at that point was kind of out of the rotation or, or not a significant part. And they put Okoro on Brunson and he just completely shut his water off for the rest mm-hmm. of those games. And you look at for the season, Jalen Brunson uh, is shooting 42% from the floor and 30% from three versus Cleveland. It's the second lowest true shooting percentage against any team this year. Uh, the only one that's higher is Toronto, which he actually shot better against Toronto. But uh, some of that is kind of uh, free throw shooting uh, differences there. But yeah, Okoro's done a, a really good job on Brunson. And with the Knicks already being last when it comes to assisted field goals, do you think there's enough supplemental playmaking if for a stretch of the game, Okoro is making life very difficult for Jalen Brunson? I honestly do. This is how good quickly he's been. This is how good... Um this is how good Quentin Grimes has been lately. And I just, I can't say enough about Josh Hart and how I kind love of a, him. A, I'm a, a point. Big fan. It's not even like a point forward. He's just like a point wing, a ball handling wing that initiates offense, but also can beat you on a drive if you're expecting, like if you're playing for the pass. So like, again, I, this lineup that they stumbled on the other night against Miami throughout the, the last, it's pretty much since the trade deadline when they traded for Josh Hart, it's become... The closing lineup is um, a center, a true center, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and then Josh Hart, and then pick one of the three, RJ Quickly or Grimes. And what we saw the other night where Tibbs decided to not to go with Jalen Brunson down the stretch and went with Isaiah Hartenstein and the other four wings. And it like stepped on Miami's throat. Like I just, I'd never seen that happen. Jimmy Butler wasn't healthy. I get it, but that's heat culture that that happened to and <laughs> i just was like oh did they did they figure something out here now look i don't think that's gonna work every night or even work like in a seven game series against one team but i just they have multiple wings to throw at you now that the with randall he commands a lot of the shot diet he commands a lot of the, the gravity and when he's got it going you don't mind it and when he's you know making quick decisions and actually playing defense you're he's like one of the better players on the floor and then when he was going through the stretch that he was when he got hurt it's like uh, do we have to win in spite of julius tonight so um yeah i look there's there's not going to be a world where the Cavs don't have the best player on the floor probably at all times of that series but i don't know i'm still optimistic about at least it being a competitive series because of the who's going to step up tonight aspect of these younger wings in a series like that. I, I mean, yeah, it does really, feel like, no, oh, go, go ahead, Chuck. No, no, you got it. All right. I was going to say, it really does seem like they, they have the depth and they have the, the versatility to play a lot of styles. And I think that's one of the biggest questions for the Cavs is we know the Cavs have a fastball. That's goddamn elite like it's Mm -hmm. really 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 good we know they they have another look that they can go to that works which is Karis LeVert with the core four rather than Isaac Okoro but they don't have or at least it doesn't seem to us at this point they don't have the personnel to really do a lot of different styles, right? Like they, they can go kind of four out w- with one of Mobley or Allen at the five, but positional versatility and scheme versatility is something that I, I just don't think they have the depth within the rotation right now, especially with Dean Wade uh, seeming limited. Um, and the Knicks do have that ability to, to throw out a lot of different styles and manual quickly, as you said, he's been terrific. Like I, I think people People understand the game through kind of archetypes and just like uh, certain coaches, like they'll they'll think of, uh, oh, he's a defensive coach. So I put him in this box and Emmanuel quickly because he's such 
like a, a, a electric score off the bench. You assume always a Lou will. He's a someone kind of in that vein, but he's a really damn good defender. Like that's the, that's the rarest thing is to find that spark plug guy off the bench. That is a lockdown defender, probably their, their best kind of point of attack defender on the team. Carter, and I see you want to talk. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to ask, like, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Knicks this year. Just fully, full disclosure. Like, I How haven't. How dare you? I know. Uh, I, I have. And like, you know, I, I'm kind of just curious because ev- everyone tells me quickly is, a, is quite a good defender. But I, in the minutes I've watched, he's not a super tall guy. Not incredibly, not incredibly long, not incredibly strong. Like what, what makes him such an impactful defender? Cause he doesn't look like my eye test does not say this guy has all the markings of a very, very helpful point of attack defender. So can you like be explicitly dive in a little bit about what makes him so effective on that end? So there's two. So you said point of attack, which I, I think there is, that's his, his one limitation, but it's not oh, interesting, a, it's really? not, okay. a, but it's not like a, li- a, a, of the of the things he does well on defense, that would be, I think, is the weakest. But I don't think he's like he's bad at it. You know, he's just not. He's just so much better off ball. He's so much better um, on on playing passing lanes. He's so good at knowing where to be and anticipating uh, like two passes away, one pass away. Um, the amount of steals he's gotten this year on just anticipating um, the 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 pass to the corner, and like all of a sudden he's Darrell Revis and going up for an interception. I know it's 2023. So as a Jets fan, I should use sauce Gardner instead, since that's a more modern reference, regardless. Revis um, Island was a cultural moment. Don't, oh, you don't believe have to walk me. Away from Hall it. of Famer, Darrell Revis. I still wear it with pride. Um, point being, um, that's the type of impact he's had. And when you got his wingspan as well, where he he'll guard, like if, if they're, they don't really play a lot of zone. In fact, I don't think they play any zone. But when they're playing this drop coverage that some of their weaker defenders um, have to some of their weaker defenders have to um, play because they're not able to uh, switch as well. Um, he's the one that's actually making up for it on the switches and guard run, running out and uh, ch- uh, chasing guys off the line as a result. And look, it, as far as just like the lineup data is concerned, like the plus seven on the year for a while this season, it was even better. Um, and then he started starting and playing next to some weaker defenders as a result. Um, so, uh, yeah, I the specifically how he is on um, anticipating passing lanes. That's that's the biggest thing. Like that's where he's made his mark and made life hell for a lot of a lot of defenders. I don't think he's ever going to be like a lot. The name that got thrown around the other night was Drew Holiday in our post game. Yeah, I don't think and he's got the strength for that. I just don't think he's that type of type of guy. Like it's like Clay was someone that you guard that guards you point of attack. Um, I, I like we haven't really been able. Like Jason Terry was a guy that I thought quickly could eventually become <laughs> where he's not necessarily known for being a defender, but he was a lead off the bench and this defensive. It's almost like Jason Terry, but with like elite perimeter defense as a result. So I don't like Quentin Grimes has been the one picking up like. The other team's best guy in crunch time lately, it's been Josh Hart as a result. But it's been like Josh Hart with quickly playing one passing lane with RJ playing another passing lane. And look, if they're able to get Quentin Grimes on the floor with this, then it's like you have these four wings that you're able to to be. You're going to have to beat them with your size, not necessarily with your your passing and your skill. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it's interesting. Like I, I honestly do feel for you guys because the thing I like about this Knicks team and it, it doesn't get talked about enough. Like you kind of, you assume New York and you look at the way that the Knicks have been built historically the last couple decades it's like okay we're going to take some shortcuts we're, we're going to try to make a, a splashy move in the summer or whatever and this next team is just it's well run like i i really do think that it's well run like you guys have found talent in the margins a, a guy like emmanuel quickly uh quentin grimes like there, there's depth uh i thought josh hart was just such a smart pickup and you know, sometimes necessity breeds innovation, and maybe we'll, we'll see that a little bit with Julius Randle, but you lose an all-NBA talent, like, you're going to be worse. But you you might discover something that you can carry forward, because I think Knicks actually have the foundation of a team that can be good moving forward. I think this looks like a more sustainable team than what they had in 2021, and they had the assets to get better. So maybe you find something that you kind of put in the back of your mind for later on, but yeah, like you said, it's going to be a test to see who stands up and, and who gives the support. And you just have to hope that the support is half as good as the support we get from Zoom because support for this podcast and the following <laughs> message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Very sneaky, Justin. Very sneaky. Wow. I thought well I thought done. you were about to set up a question, and that was a that was a great swerve, Andrew. I want to ask about um, Mitchell Robinson. Mm. Um, he is, you know, he and Hardenstein are, you know, the the remaining, you know, true bigs that we're going to expect uh, to see. Yeah, you because know, even Toppin, you know, even though he's tall, doesn't exactly play mm. with a ton of force, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is this Robinson's first time in the playoffs? He was not in that Hawks series, correct? He was not. He he hurt his. It was a foot injury that he was out for the rest of the year and then missed. That that was a Nerlens Noel Taj Gibson tab tandem throughout that that postseason. Another yeah, dishonest it, win for the Hawks. Mark yeah. it up. <laughs> I forgot that he was out. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are you expecting out of him? Because it does feel like he's going to have to carry a lot of weight uh, on the interior uh, in terms of trying to you know. Um, keep the Cavs at bay. You know, the Knicks are not exactly the, uh, the, the most stout defensive team, uh, but they're, you know, they're not terrible. I mean, they're, 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 no, you hit it. Their, their defense for a tips team is not their (laughs) calling card, you know, like that for a tips team, the first two seasons, it's been top 10 defense or top 11 defense and then bottom 10 offense. And it's, it's not first to 120. It's let's see if we could hold you under 110 and we'll just try to score more than you. Um, yeah. It, by the way, Mike Brown, Tom Thibodeau leading the league's best offenses. Right. What a time. Down is up. <laughs> it just goes to show you how we, how we put these coaches in a box. Unfairly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's funny how you ask that question. What do you expect from Mitchell Robinson? Not how good is he? Not um, what do you think he can do? Like, what to expect from Mitchell Robinson is the million dollar question in New York. Because consistency is kind of the the whole thing with him, right? There are nights when he looks like the most dominant offensive rebounder, like better than Steven Adams in the NBA. And then there are nights where you wonder if like he's just kind of going through the motions because there's something funny on Snapchat after the game that he wants to take part in. And look, I... I, I it's tough because that elite version is a difference maker. That nine game winning streak they had a couple of weeks ago was largely in part to like the, the Josh Hart um, 
uh, energy boost that it gave that second unit. But it also was the fact that Mitchell Robinson played like a beast for a good two, three weeks and looked like this is like, this is a center of a team that could make a run in a in a in an Eastern Conference, like in the Eastern Conference. Um, and then the last couple of weeks, it's just been like, I don't know if you're just afraid that you're going to get hurt. I don't know if you're like, it's, it's, it's not even like game to game. It's play to play. You know, are you going to get this offensive rebound? Are you going to go up for this can contest this shot? Are you going to, you know, set this hard screen? And that's just, that's just been a problem his whole, whole career. And the funny part is, I don't know if this is going to lead to a Hartenstein question, Tibbs has been closing with Isaiah Hartenstein lately and how good this guy has been. He's the best. I mean, as for my money, he's the best backup center in the NBA. Um, the way he's been able to not, he's not a floor spacer in the traditional sense of like Al Horford can shoot threes because Isaiah Hartenstein doesn't shoot threes, but he doesn't clog the the dunker spot. So, well, and, and part of it too is because yeah. he's such a good passer, you have to get up on him. Right? I think exactly. that's something that people don't think about enough. And that's part of why the Cavs, even though they don't have outside spacing, people play up on Evan Mobley because he's such a good playmaker, right? And you don't want him to have a head of steam. So it's just one of those things where you can have gravity without necessarily being a three-point shooter just because you need to be able to take away those passing lanes and you don't want to give a talented playmaker an advantage. Exactly. Yeah, the Nuggets the Nuggets really got to regret trading him for JaVale McGee. <laughs> you think? Uh, yeah. a couple or the Clippers, ago. like the Clippers, when I was yeah. talking to a, a Clippers uh guy for for when the Knicks were playing them, they were like, Yeah, we our biggest issue this year has been backup center. We have no idea why they let Isaiah Hartenstein walk. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so and, and for uh, the well, Cavs, there, there just wasn't an opportunity, right? Because yeah. the, like when you look at the Cavs, you're getting 48 minutes of either Jared Allen or Evan Mobley at center. Like I, I, if Evan Mobley is your backup center through staggering, that becomes mm. the best backup center in the league pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, but, true. but yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's, that's would be absolutely cheating. I, I do agree with your assessment though. And it's interesting too, that the foul rates come down in the Knicks. Uh, some of my big market conspiracies start flooding in there because I don't see him playing entirely different, but uh, he, he is a real difference maker and someone that, I mean, especially with Randall out, like I, I almost wonder if Tibbs just goes back to some of his Tib roots and, and just plays big, right? Like, and tries to to keep bigs on the full two bigs on the floor as much as possible. Because if there was ever a time, like, I think the Cavs big men pose a threat to just about any team. But if there was ever a time that you wouldn't want to lose a big body like Julius Randle, it's against this version of Evan Mobley that we've seen over the last 35 games here where he's a 19 point per game player. Now he's throwing out like these 26 and 15 games and, and is just turning into Godzilla attacking every mismatch and smaller person that gets put on him. I can see Tibbs seeing that and saying with maybe the exception of Josh Hart, just because he's so strong, but I could see him wanting big bodies out there, which so, is why the real quick, I think it's why the second unit I, man, to just stuck with this nine man rotation and the first man up has been Deuce McBride, who, man, do I want to see more of that kid. The problem is that he's only ever filled minutes when a wing has gotten hurt. This is the first time like 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 specifically Julius has gotten hurt and we've had to see what Tibbs is going to do when his backup four is now a starting four. And I, I really, I'm telling you, I think the backup four is going to be Isaiah Hartenstein and we'll just get Jericho Sims as a backup center. And then mm. we'll see what happens. I ha 
have to believe that Tibbs saw what we all saw the other night against Miami and wants to see how it works. Um, I like this, this, this all wing lineup. Uh, I also look RJ Barry. I'm sure the conversation's coming up soon is not the same. Uh, I don't want to call it. I don't like let's calling just, players overweight. Hold on, real, real quick. I have an I have an important thing I want to talk about, and the reason I brought up Mitchell Robinson mm-hmm. pre pre All Star break, the Cavs were eighth in the league in defensive rebound rate. They have cut Kevin Love, Dean Wade has fallen out of the rotation, and when they are healthy, Jetty Osman is often getting minutes over Lamar Stevens. Would anyone like to venture to guess what the Cavaliers' defensive rebound rate has been post All Star break in the league? Seventeenth, uh, thirtieth. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> so this team has been um, uh, an absolute sieve on the defensive boards since they're playing way, way, way smaller. Um, uh, the the lineups that have only at, it, they're they're playing a lot of lineups where it's Mobley at the five and Jetty at the four. Yeah. With Donnie and Darius also out there, they're they're small, and, and this it is a small team right now. Jarrett's missed time too, right? Absolutely. So this is a small team right now, and this is a team that uh, you know, even when they're healthy, they they don't exactly have burly dudes that are like you know they don't have like Montrez Harrell types that are just carving out space uh, with with their you know with their core. Um, and I do feel like. You know, Mitchell Robinson has to be awesome in the in in you know any Cavs uh, Knicks series because the road to the Knicks getting a good offense is folks like Josh Hart, folks like Mitchell Robinson, just absolutely abusing the Cavs on the defensive gla- on the offensive glass mm-hmm. and just generating extra possession, extra possession, extra possession. Uh, and and I just think that if if I'm as a Cavs fan, that is the part of the one of the parts of the roster that concerns me the most. It's concerned me ever since Dean fell out of the rotation. Um, and man, like obviously the Knicks are worse equipped than they were two days ago, uh, to, to exploit that, but they would, but it does mean that the burden on their great offensive rebounders goes way, way up. And this is where Josh Hart being the acquisition at the deadline was intentional because they were Deuce McBride was basically the backup wing. Um, quickly was the backup point guard and then Obi was the backup power forward. And then Hartenstein was the backup center. And then Deuce McBride just like filled the gap wherever it needed to be, whether it be the two or the three. Um, and then Josh Hart came. And at first it was like, Deuce McBride's playing 11 minutes. You went and traded a first round pick for Josh Hart. And then you saw like, oh no, he's taking some of RJ's minutes, some of Grimes's minutes. And the way he rebounds, he can be a weapon in this sense that, that you're talking about. And look, I didn't realize they were 30th. That actually... The Knicks fans that are going to eventually listen to this might actually feel a little more confident that um, a team that uh, struggles on the defensive boards um, like that is going to go up against the Knicks. I'll also say, like the the Tibbs having a top seven offense, the it it's intentional in the sense that they are not as efficient on their first shot, and that's been one of the criticisms about the offense all year. Is like we have no idea what it's going to look like in a playoff series when you kind of have to be more 
efficient on your first shot. But with Tibbs, it's been like, we don't care about the first shot. We're just going to get like four or five shots of possession until we get a chance to score. Uh, he's stealing and that, the Nick Nurse playbook? What's going on It's the Nick here? Nurse. It's what Memphis did last year. It's very much like we're going to get as many chances as we can at a, a, a basket on this possession. And, you know, we'll see if, if that comes back to bite him in the playoffs, and especially now without Julius, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my concern would be more so when the Cavs go to their bench that they, they would get exploited on the offensive glass because Allen is a strong defensive rebounder. I'd still like to see him get to a lead eventually as his body kind of fills out. Uh, Evan Mobley's taking big strides there. Donovan Mitchell's a good rebounder. Uh, Isaac Okoro has shown some growth there, but the advantage that the Cavs had in the past was you had an elite one come in with Kevin Love, right? And you had Dean Wade that would uh, provide that strong defensive rebounding. And Lamar Stevens, I really do like him at power forward, but him not being a strong rebounder at that position is certainly kind of one of those things to keep an eye on. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to cooking. Thankfully, I found a life partner that loves her time in the kitchen and loves putting together these elaborate meals. Unfortunately, with her schedule working at a school all day and my schedule covering sports all night, we rarely have time to go to the grocery store together. Well, HelloFresh has made it possible for us to do all the grocery shopping for the week right from the comfort of our living room. In fact, just last night when I was editing the latest KFS pod, she was putting together two plates of Presto Pesto Panko Chicken with roasted potatoes and green beans. We were able to do dinner and a movie without even leaving the comfort of our own home. And this is just one of several delicious HelloFresh meal options with cook and prep time taking less than an hour. When you've got busy, conflicting schedules like ours, you don't have to go out for dinner and a movie. Instead, it comes right to you. Don't hesitate Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool60 and use code FilmSchool60 for 60% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Game Time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app, and I see all the events coming up in the area, whether it be the Knicks home game against the Miami Heat on Wednesday or home opener tickets for the Mets and Yankees, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category, like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams, like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right, and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I do have kind of a, a, a nuanced question here when it does come to RJ Barrett, which is, what the hell? <laughs> We've been asking the same thing for about four months now. Um, like I, 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 yeah. I, I don't get it because like even two years ago, he was a very strong defensive player. And for that reason, I was like, you know what? I'd probably be willing to kind of go through the ebbs and flows of him on the offensive end of the court because at least he's bringing that strong baseline. But then you look at the last two years, those defensive metrics have come down and down. And this year they're like flat out bad across the board. Like his defense has been really bad. And it's funny. There was a, uh, a ranking of the Cavs and Knicks players uh, that was going around on Twitter Shout today. Out Stacey Patton, yes, from the Strickland, uh, who was the one who created that that ranking and got Dinky. Yes, and, got, and I was got I was uh, Cavs Twitter ignited as as I as I saw. Yeah, and I was sitting there and I was like really thinking about it. And I was like, what? Are we sure he's above Karis Lavert in this ranking? Because Karis has been a good defensive player. He has actually been a much more efficient offensive player. He shot threes well this year. Is it just volume? Like what's going on with RJ Barrett? And this frankly breaks my heart because as a Canadian, as someone that's been rooting like this was like this was our Michael Jordan that was coming along and Shea Gilgis Alexander has taken that torch and he's running with it. But like what? What the hell? Yeah, we uh, 
I wish I had a good answer for you because, um, so I want to, I want to be nice because I don't, I'm not, RJ Barrett has had a different responsibility, a different role every season of his career. Year one, he was thrust into this weird rotation of like all these power forwards on the floor at the same time. Um, the, the, when, when Julius got, brought on to the Knicks um, to be the consolation prize to KD. Um, RJ Barrett, that was his rookie season. So he dealt with the worst spacing and probably the worst development possible um, for a rookie that season. Year two, Tibbs notified or, or noticed what he did well. And it was on driving. It was these pistol sets. And they they took advantage of his ability to live at the rim. He just couldn't finish all that well. But he developed the corner three point shot and shot 40% from three. And it was like, all right, well, there's stuff here to improve. Then last year with Julius turning into a pumpkin and all of these other things going wrong, they gave RJ 30 usage for the last 40 games. And on not great, but not terrible efficiency, he averaged about 24 a game. And it was like, okay, this is, this is your extension eligible year. We're either going to trade you for Donovan Mitchell or we're going to extend you. And obviously, we know you know better than anybody what ended up happening last summer. (laughs) And then this year, it's like, okay, now you're the third guy. You're still going to get a ton of usage, especially in the second unit. And I'm glad you, you hit on the defense, Justin. The way his defense has fallen off a cliff. And I always hesitate to do this and talk about like players being out of shape. I'm an overweight podcaster like in a studio in Queens. So I'm not someone to talk about a a professional athlete's fitness. I will just say as an observer, he's not as quick anymore. He can't guard wings anymore. The first step is all you need to get past RJ Barrett, no matter where you are on the floor. And it's why I was going to hint that we were talking about the loss of Julius. Josh Hart at the four is not my thought. It's RJ Barrett. He might actually be more equipped. Now, Evan Mobley might be a different monster. I don't know if there is going to be and RJ Barrett stopping him. But as far as like what he's probably more suited to guard with this at this point in the season, where it's like, like that's been the comment about him all year. It's like he looks slow, you know, like he's not laterally able to move as well. And he probably needs to be guarding fours more than it's threes and twos nowadays. So look, all that being said, um, he still will have like a 30 point game. Here and there when you need them. That's been the belief all season that like don't write him off because there's gonna be like a, a big game four in the, the playoffs. Julius Rand- the Julius the, Randall game is gonna need to become the RJ. It's gonna Barrett be the RJ Barrett game, exactly. <laughs> so, like, as your fourth guy, like listen, in the bubble three years ago, there was a Tyler Hero game. Like, we all watched it and remembered it, and then it was like, okay, like that's, that's been a there- big that's been a big part of my argument for having Karis LeVert around. I'm like, so there you, go. you know what? Like he can give you 41 points against Boston. And what, what I've loved about Karis though, and why I've been more willing to kind of ride the roller coaster of his offense is there's been consistent playmaking. The defensive effort has consistently been there. He hits the glass and like having a very, very good pick and roll ball handler is a very important thing when you're on a team that employs Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So yeah. uh, like for me, that that ha- has always kind of made it worthwhile to have Karis. And I, I think it's a big part of the why the starting lineup with Karis or sometimes the closing lineup with Karis has been so good this season because you just have that extra playmaker. But the unfortunate thing about that lineup is it hasn't always been great for him. And I, I think that's why 
it's so exciting for Carter and myself to see him settle in so well in the sixth man role and and really find his footing late late in the season. But these guys that can get hot and get 30, 40 points per game, like even in today's NBA, I still do think that that's an underrated skill because not everybody can do that. Not everybody can get the per 36 numbers, right? Like, oh, we just need to get this guy more shots. Getting shots is a skill set, like actually getting like the, the uh, I forget who it, uh, said it, but they're like the hardest thing about scoring 30 is getting enough shots, like uh, actually like taking enough shots to go get those 30 points. Like I, I think people just kind of assume that it's something that a coach can decide or a player can decide it's really not that simple yeah 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 it's um uh, oh hold on oh, go ahead. i was gonna ask a little bit about the defense um and and your kind of point about the fact that you feel like you can't put him on wings and and almost certainly not guards if you're not comfortable with him on wings how how bad is that kind of trickle down uh, to to how the Knicks are going to want to stop a team like the Cavs because, you know, you do have Isaac Okoro out there who is going to serve as the, uh, you know, the ceremonial hiding spot for any player you want to have, um, you know, you either want to hide or you want to have, um, you know, low strain. But if you do that, and I'm talking with the starters, you kind of then have to say, Jalen, you you got to guard Donnie or Darius <laughs> and you got to expend a lot more energy than you'd otherwise hope to do. If, if, if you're, if you're the coach and, and let's, let's, let's say Toppin is, is that starter uh, and is playing some legitimate minutes in the series. What do you do? Do you, do you put RJ on Donovan or Darius and impress your luck? Or do you just say, Buddy, you're just going to hide out on Okoro and please try to get in some passing lanes and see Justin. I brace yourself. This is where if I'm the coach, RJ's not in my lineup in crunch time, unfortunately. Whoa. Whoa. Um, this is where Quentin Grimes has earned it. As far as I'm concerned, Josh Hart has earned it. You hide for... I mean, look, I, you guys would know better than I would if Okoro is a better shooter than the last time the Knicks played the Cavs. But mm-hmm. it seemed like the Knicks plan was like, we'll let him shoot as often as we want. And that's where we'll hide Jalen Brunson there's going to be switching all throughout crunch time, probably all throughout the game, whether it be um, so that way Mitchell and Garland can take advantage of Brunson. We've seen that a lot recently with some teams. Minnesota did it like perfectly. And it was the first time we noticed like JB getting targeted. Um, having said that, this is where quickly comes into play. Like quickly has been closing games a lot uh, since the Josh Hart trade. And it's been RJ that at certain games, like against Miami, like you need the size to guard Jimmy Butler. But when the other team's best players are guards, yeah, uh, sorry, RJ, we're here. We're, we got the points out of you from the second unit, from the first, the, t- the first several minutes of each half. But I kind of like my chances going with this much smaller lineup. Like maybe you could see how he is guarding Evan Mobley in those starter minutes, and maybe he's your close. It's him or Grimes for me, though. Like that's mm-hmm. that's my thought. Like so, you're, Emmanuel you're quickly start- has to close. Josh Hart has to close. Like those guys have to be on the floor. So your closing five, just so we can all, you know, agree on the same reality uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, in a world where Brunson or where Randall is not available, because again, could come back. We don't know. We'll see. You know, science is insane. Um, mm-hmm. He might go to the closing- LeBron James of feet. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, ankles, yeah. Uh, yeah, it would be Brunson quickly, um, Grimes, Hart and Robinson or Hardenstein. Yeah. 
And that that's so crazy to me, you know, because um, I, I all of a sudden what I hear as a Cavs fan is, well, if if we really believe that Evan has taken the offensive leap that he's that we think he's taken in the last month and a half, uh, really ever since uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kendrick Perkins asked where the hell is Evan Mobley, um, then boy, is that the test, right? Like if you if Evan Mobley cannot consistently uh, ruin Josh Hart's life at the four, then we know he's got some more seasoning that he's going to need in in the offseason. I want to add, this is where the Knicks drop coverage will come into play. He's not going to be one on one against Josh Hart. There will be a lot of doubling and different looks that they'll throw at him. So that way, like you're going to have to beat the Knicks, not at the rim. You're going to have to beat them on the perimeter. That's how teams have beaten the Knicks this season. So that's where I think, you know, Mobley will be able to take advantage of it. And look, I'm, this is just one man's opinion of what I've seen this season. They may very well go with uh, RJ Barrett at the four over Grimes, but look, even if it's then, a night- I would, even then I would hope, Mo- I think Mobley's advantage over RJ should not be that high or should probably be less than his, or I don't know. I think it should be equivalent to him going up against Hart at the four. Again, this is the new reality that exists post Julius Randle injury. And this is why it's a hard question to answer. Knicks, like Knicks fans going into this series were like, listen, I worry about them against Boston. I worry about them against Miami, uh, not Miami, um, against Philly. Like Milwaukee is not even a conversation, but like you, you match up really well, whether it be Mitchell Robinson against Jared Allen, it may not be a wash, but both like are comparable oh, centers. You, don't you dare say it's a wash. We, we respect Jared Allen in this house. Okay. I, I, you heard my concerns about the consistency of Mr. Yeah. Robinson, but if it's the night that he decides, Oh, I'm going to be the best offensive rebounder and rim protector in the league that it, at least for a night can be a wash. The point is I'm confident in that matchup. Um, Randall against Mobley is at least like a matchup, like a Coro yeah. against RJ. Like, like you see what I'm saying? Like the two guards between Quickly and Brunson, you guys have the upper hand. We don't have a bad hand, though. And I think then when you get into the second unit and you introduce a Josh Hart and a Quentin Grimes and an and Isaiah Hartenstein into the mix, there was a lot of confidence. And now post Julius Randall, you have to figure out a different way to do this. So yeah. that's where. Look, my answer would be see if RJ is up for the test at first, see if Obi's up for the test. But like, what am I going to figure out by game three? What works against Evan Mobley and by then does anything. So that's where I would try to lean into the small, like like the small ball of it all and see if you can, you know, beat them from the perimeter, which look might not be the best way to do it. Because as you said, they're probably more beatable on the offense, on the defensive glass. Mm -hmm. Um, But listen, this is why Tibbs makes the big bucks and hopefully they figure something out over the next uh, two weeks before this series even starts. Yeah. Like I, I was never offended by Knicks fans saying we want to play the Cavs because if I'm putting myself in Knicks fans shoes, yeah, that's my pick. Like I think that the best play three, them than these other. Yeah. I, I, I think the best three teams in the NBA are the top three seeds in the Eastern conference. And I I've said this before, and um, I'm, I'm sure any Knicks fans listening to this would, would like to hear this too. Like I think the Cavs and the Knicks would come out of the West. Like I, I'd give them a good shot to come out of the West if they were in the Western conference. Like I do think the New York Knicks are that good. And uh, like I, I just I hate injuries. Like the, the Cavs went through their share as well, right? Like I, I just it drives me nuts to to see kind of a, a very interesting postseason matchup kind of be colored 
by this with, with Julius Randle either being limited or out for the series. But I, I do think the Knicks still have enough pieces for it to be an interesting chess match, right? Like you ask, has Icicle Coro approved as a shooter? The answer is yes. But when you're ta- dealing with two elite guards in Garland and Mitchell and two big men in Mobley and Allen, you are going to cheat off of Isaac Okoro. Like, that's just going to happen. We saw that with the 2016 team. Teams would cheat off of J.R. Smith because the other threats were so pressing that sometimes we're just going to give up a J.R. Smith open three and hope he miss, right? Like, and you can't necessarily hide a guy on Isaac Okoro now as much because even if, like, let's say he hits three out of four threes, like, the volume isn't going to kill you. But what's going to be interesting is now that the Cavs are using him so much more as a screener and and getting that player in kind of action and get them involved defensively. Uh, it's a way that they went at John Morant when when the, uh, the Grizzlies were trying to hide him on them. And and that worked to great effect. They've done it on a number of kind of weaker defenders. What does Tibbs do if that's the case, right? Like, uh, do you want Jalen Brunson being in those actions or do you want RJ Barrett being in those actions? So I think there's enough chess pieces in Tibbs's arsenal that he's going to be able to make adjustments and we're going to see how the Cavs make adjustments in turn. So I, I do think it's going to be an interesting series. I just, I honestly do feel bad for you guys. Like I, 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 I hope that Julius Randle recovers ahead of schedule because we're not expecting championship this season. Like we, we, even though the Cavs have like the, the stats of contending team, I think they need seasoning. I think they need to be tested and I think the Knicks are a team that's uniquely positioned to do that. So I, I want to get your best punch. I, I want to see what this series can be. Yeah, I look there. There is a faction of Knicks fans that's going to be upset with me for not still preaching that, like we're still we're still beat Cleveland regardless, and um, the the belief in this team that can exist at times. Uh, I'm a little more realistic about it. I. I do think there's there's a lot of memories to last year in the playoffs between uh, Brunson and Mitchell and that that advantage hopefully still exists. Um, I've watched enough of Mitchell this year to know he's a better defender because he's not. I have no idea what happened last year in Utah. He's just not that player anymore. Um, I also have seen enough of Jalen Brunson this year to know that if they're guarding each other on the floor, that that is advantage Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. which is where I would expect like quickly gets a look that they would just throw like, like Grimes would get a look. Um, obviously, uh, Josh Hart and maybe even at times RJ would get a look in, in the, the, with the look that ends in drop coverage. Um, look, you said the season, you don't expect to be ending in a championship We're there is a hint of like, we're just happy to be here. Like going into this season and all of the agita of the summer of what was supposed to be Donovan Mitchell that ended up not being Donovan Mitchell that had all of the like, you got to trade Randall or else going on. But, and and, like the Jalen Brunson thing, we're all happy about Jalen Brunson, even though like you knew that this was going to end in a tampering charge. But (laughs) at the same time, like, yeah, like the Knicks finally have a point guard. He's arguably the best free agent acquisition in franchise history. As sad as that is to say, and, you know, if it ends in the first round after Julius got hurt, it's a lot easier to stomach and you go into the offseason with less questions and, you know, you, you see if you can pivot that way. Um, I personally want to see what this team does with face with the adversity of trying to replace the output of a Julius Randle. And look, I, come playoff time, uh, 
well, hopefully it'll be fun. Like you, you, Madison Square Garden, I think, will also be a weapon. And, um, you know, we'll see how much of a weapon it can be in a seven game series like that. Yeah. And, and the Knicks are one of the best road teams in the league as well. Right. So they, that's they, the other part. Yeah. And, and the Cavs are I think they're much better than their uh, their record on the road. Um, they're top three team in net rating on the road, but they've lost close games. And I think Knicks have the talent to make a lot of these games close and it's going to come down to execution. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to learn a whole lot from Friday's game, uh, especially, you know, like the, the March, like the Knicks crunch time. I am curious. I will say this crunch time. I am curious to see the question that Carter asked me, like, all right, what is Tibbs going with in crunch time here? You know, is RJ playing the four is, is he going with Obi topping at the four? Does he trust him enough on defense? And, you know, we'll see what he goes there. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating. Um, we'll we'll see what happens Friday. Um, we'll you know it, it seems like now that Philadelphia kind of has three more than realistically locked up. I think the Cavs are, are going to play it safe uh, with injuries. JB alluded to the same. I I wonder if that goes into the decision to you know uh, give Vocoro more of a rest or uh, continue to play it safe with Jared Allen. I, I know Chris Fedor reported uh, that there isn't concern that either of those injuries are, are real serious. They're just you know being very cautious and, and taking care of those guys. So it, it's good to see, but uh, we, we might have another Knicks game without Jared Allen. This would be the second time. Uh, I know they lost the, the game in Madison Square Garden with uh, mm-hmm. Diakite and Lamar Stevens uh, <laughs> starting in that one. Uh, and then there there was the other one with the controversy with the last two minute report there. But you know what? I think we'll uh, we'll I, I think it's going to be a very interesting series and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It seems like it's pretty much locked in. That's going to be Cavs Knicks. And I'm, I'm sure we will bug you again for more of our questions because I, I didn't even get through this rundown. There, there's so much interesting to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we will get that in uh, for a play of preview. But before we wrap this up, let the people know what you got uh, going on. Pl- plug away. Uh, well, thank you guys seriously for having me. And uh, it's always good to link up with two people that I respect in the uh, podcast, uh, specifically the team niche content industry. The You guys kind of set the standard when then, when we came to Blue Wire. It's like, oh, the chase down guys are here. And then you left for the Cavs. So <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of goals, you know. So um, so thank you for having me. Um, and you can find me and all of my work at uh, at Nick's Film School. Um, we have a YouTube channel where you could search Nick's Film School, uh, the Twitter account, Nick Film School, S-K-O-O-L, because we're cool like that. It's the same um, on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Um, and we have a podcast that uh, we put a lot of work into, um, whether it be off days when we have um, just the kind of state of the team episodes. And then on game day, we have a pregame show that I host, a pregame podcast that I host, and then a postgame podcast that is live on YouTube right after games and then gets cut into multiple parts afterwards. Um, you ever want to get the pulse of how Knicks fans feel after a game? I feel we're a good place to go and find it. So uh, Knicks Film School, um, part of the Blue Wire podcast network and uh, good friends of the, the guys over at Chase Down. So. <laughs> well, now, now you're just making assumptions. I don't know about all that. Let's, no, see, let's you, see how a seven game series goes <laughs> and if those friends still exist at the end. <laughs> no, you, you guys work your ass off. You do terrific work and, and honestly, like I, I know going into a, a game against any team, I'm always listening do a podcast from another network and uh, obviously I assume a lot of fans will be doing the same thing uh, going into a series against the Knicks. Knicks Film School is your one-stop shop. You guys do terrific work so Mm. thank you again for joining us. We really do appreciate it. 
Once again, a big thank you to Justin and to Carter for having me on their show to preview not really this matchup against the Cavs, but what a potential series would look like between the Knicks and the Cavaliers, uh, specifically without Julius Randle. Uh, a little behind the scenes, I had so much more that I wanted to get to, like this rumor that came out that the Cavs wanted no part of the Knicks. And look, I had some smoke that I was willing to, to come at them with if Randall was healthy for this series. And we weren't going into this, you know, playing man down, especially one of our all-stars and, you know, our all-NBA guy. Um, having said that, uh, I said what I said. I am not super confident in a series against the Cavs anymore, especially... Uh, who's going to stop Evan Mobley? Having said that, every single time, as I said at the top, that this team has faced adversity, they've overcome it. And I need them to do it one more time. Whether it's Obi stepping up in his, in what is going to be such an unfair ask, like, hey, you've been playing 12 minutes. Now go replace as best you can an all NBA power forward, you know? Um, so I, look, I don't expect him to be Julius Randle. I expect. Uh, him to step up in a way. Or maybe it's RJ. You know, I I said what I said. I tried to be fair. I don't I don't know which RJ is gonna show up, good or bad RJ, in in these games. So um we'll see um what the Knicks decide to do to replace the output that Julius has been able to give. And look, as I said, he's been running on fumes lately, so he hasn't really been playing the best. And maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Maybe you discover something about your team as a result. Um, but one thing that we've figured out about this team and found out about this team is, as I said, it's tough toughness and it's resiliency. I need them to do it one more time. And hopefully it starts this Friday against the Cavaliers. Win or lose, John Macri will be on the post game to recap it all. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll just see how it goes. As far as I'm concerned, if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. If you didn't hear it in the post game for the Heat game, your boy came down with a mild case of bronchitis. I got my voice back enough so that way I could do this show and obviously go do the do the chase down. Um, I will not be doing a post game show, a pregame show, excuse me, for the Washington game, for the Wizards game on Sunday. So uh, no pregame show on Sunday. I'm going to be taking... The weekend off to fully recover um, in the interest of load management. All of you load management junkies out there, well, you're welcome. Not only are the Knicks going to you know, make sure Julius sits out as long as possible, but Knicks Film School is going to make sure that I sit as long as possible so I can be ready for the playoffs as well. Um, thank you to, to all the well wishes, all the get well soons. It's, it's really appreciated. It really sucks that this happened the week for those who know didn't hear um, that I launched a new podcast with Blue Wire. Shout out to Mets Therapy. Check that out if you're a Mets fan or if you're just a Yankee fan that wants to hear Mets fans. Go through it. Um, having said all of that, thank you everybody for all the support that you continue to show me and you continue to show us. It's really been great all season. And it's not over yet. We have five more games and then a playoff matchup against whomever that we're going to hopefully see some fun basketball in. Until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game Friday night, and I will speak with you soon. Peace.